And welcome to the Game Central Podcast, episode 139. I am your co-host Gareth, joined by Dave. Hey, how's it going? Not bad. Uh, find all our episodes, past, present, and future, at GameBanter.co.uk. Uh, Dave, how are you? I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm, uh, I'm a little bit ill, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm working through it. What kind of ill? What are we talking? Uh, like, no, like just, just, just medical stuff. Just fake, so you can get out of work. No, it's more like it's heart condition stuff. Oh, fuck. not to get, not to get too serious. No, it's just, I just had an episode. It's fine. All it right. happens. Okay. It happens. The annoying thing is, yeah, it happens at night. So when I'm asleep, I randomly just get like crazy fast heart rhythm, and then I just get huge fatigue in the morning. So despite the fact I've slept for like ten hours, my body's like, nope, I need to sleep for at least another ten. Bloody hell. <laughs> Are you sure you've not accidentally, like, are you not doing my facts from this week already? <laughs> it sounds like the kind of shit I would make up about you. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 sadly not. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I've, it, takes, it takes about two days to recover, but I feel a lot better now. Very good, well. Uh, yeah, I'm get, like I said, I'm getting through it. Yeah, nothing will heal you better than... Talking about video games. This is this is it. I got excited, so I thought, let's do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely uh, won't make you feel fatigued. <laughs> no, exactly. Talking shoe gav just gives me energy. That I get that a lot. Yeah. See. Yeah. Uh, so Dave. Yes. I'm, I'm just going to jump straight into this. You may remember last week. Uh, well, not yeah. week. Last episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had a segment about realism in video games. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. You were all like, oh, realism's shit. And I was like... shitting on it, weren't I? <laughs> yeah, it kind of is, yeah. yeah. And we said, tweet at us if you have any examples that we may have missed. Mm. Um, and, you know, we we don't really uh, ask for people to get in touch much because when we do, we get nothing back and then we feel bad about ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And then we, we feel lonely again. We comfort E, and then we feel guilty about that. And exactly. Then we... Ben and Jerry's also is in existence due to us. We do. Um, which is why I was very hesitant to ask for people's examples. Mm. Um, however, Ooh. we only fucking got a tweet, didn't we, Dave? Yes, we did. Oh, yes, we did. Uh, at mhusk83 on Twitter, Michael Huskerson. Uh, he got in touch with us. He gave us a very good example. So I'm going to read his tweet to you, Dave. Yep. Uh, Weapons degrading slash breaking is a slice of realism in games that infuriates me. It was especially bad in Breath of the Wild, which I would have stopped playing if it weren't a Zelda game. Yeah, good point. I See, uh, for me, it worked in Breath of the Wild because it, it changed the way you play the game. Mm. Like, Zelda is always about... You hit this this one legendary sword, and this is the one weapon. Yeah. Um, whereas th- this Zelda, because it was all about switching up the formula and changing it around, it played into that. It was like another aspect of it feeling not like a Zelda game. So I appreciated it in that uh, context. Yeah, I think I think that's different. Like again, never played it. 
Um, don't don't own a Switch. Uh, you know, just bought a PlayStation Four, so give me about seven years, and I'll get a Switch. <laughs> okay, so um, but from what everyone has, what I've watched of it, um, I think everyone's issue with it is just how quickly the weapons degrade. Yeah, and I think that's it. Is that and like I said previous episode is that if the realism in the game is designated or controlled by the game's universe then it's fine so say for example if Zelda's enemies weapons also degraded as quickly as yours did Mm -hmm. then maybe people would be less annoyed but seeing as they can just have the same weapon just smash you with it maybe that's what was getting on everyone's nerves and I think a lot of people just needed to from what I've heard a lot of people were just a bit you know timid to use their really good weapons because you know there was always that fear that they were going to break and then can't use them again yeah I, I worried about that as well playing the game and then at a certain point I just let go of that and was just using everything all the time and that was a pretty freeing feeling yeah did you find that it hindered you at all um maybe it did but I don't when I look back on my time playing that game I don't remember that being the case I will say it's a bit of an issue when you get the Master Sword and you think to yourself, right, this is going to be the one weapon that doesn't break. You think, like, this is going to be like a superpower that Link has. He's the only one in the world with a sword that doesn't break. Yeah. And then it just, like, runs out of power and it basically breaks. It's like, when the Master Sword breaks, that's a bit like... Can you recharge the Master Sword? You can, yeah. Okay, well, I can forgive that then. That's okay then. But it's still, like... Um... But I guess, like you said, I think I think it's annoying because people were well felt hindered by it. So I understand the guy's point. Um, but like you said, if it's not a game-breaking mechanic, um, if it's not if it's not there just to say prolong something. So uh-huh. all my examples in Red Dead are just just factors to prolong gameplay. You sit there and go, this doesn't add anything to the game whatsoever. Right. It just prolongs it. Where that is obviously a game mechanic that prolongs or pushes you into playing the game differently. Similar to, say, Resident Evil, when they don't give you enough ammo or they give you, like, the Magnum, but it's only got two bullets in it. Yeah. So you sit there and you go, great. So that's really annoying. Oh, that's really unrealistic. I'm in a police station. It doesn't have ammo in it. But then you sit there and go, well, no, actually, it means that you're quite sparing and it becomes quite tactical using your ammunition. Yeah, and so it adds to the game mechanic. It's similar to that, in my I, eyes. I would argue it is similar to that. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I can see so, why Michael wouldn't like that. Oh, 100 percent. Like I said, it would probably. This is me coming from a hypothetical standpoint. <laughs> if I played the game, I'd probably get so pissed off at it, I'll be ranting for another 20 minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's not talk about it for much longer then. <laughs> but thank you, Michael uh, at mpostgate yes, on Twitter for, for tweeting at us. It's take took time out of his day. To tell us exactly. something that we didn't already think about. Yeah, we didn't. What a great guy. What a guy. What a guy. All right, Dave. Shall we get on to Did You Know? Yeah. Dave. Uh, this is a yes. segment of the podcast called Did You Know, where we uh, educate our listeners with facts from the world of video games and technology, and uh, each other. We want to let them get us uh, get to know us a bit better. So I'm going to go first. Yeah, yeah go on. Because I put a lot less thought into my fact than yours. <laughs> so 
Let's get this out of the way. Uh, Resident Evil 2 is out. It's yes. making a big buzz. People love yeah. it. People tweeting all about it. It's all over my timeline. So I thought I'd uh, give people a little fact about Resident Evil 2. Um, did you know that uh, George Romero, director of many zombie films, yeah, many zombie films, he directed <laughs> the live-action adverts for Resident Evil 2, and he was gonna have the job of uh, uh, directing the Resident Evil live-action movies until they gave the job to Paul W. S. Anderson. Just imagine, just Im that's amazing. So he directed the original ninety. I want to say ninety-two. Is it ninety-eight? It must be ninety. <laughs> when Ready Two come out, he 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 directed the original, not the remake adverts, didn't? Correct. Yeah, for the original yeah. release on PlayStation. Yeah, I was just double checking that. Just imagine what the. Uh, the Resident Evil uh, live actions would be like if he actually directed it. Imagine, probably no Mila Jovovich. Say that. Yeah, to be fair, that that's not a myth. <laughs> 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 Let's be honest. <laughs> she didn't really add much to the movies, did she? Apart from blank face. <laughs> Look at my non-emotions. She's a good-looking woman. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, we can only dream. Uh, right, are you ready for my facts, which will most definitely annoy the older generation? I've never been more ready for your facts that would annoy the Good. older generation. Fantastic. So my fact is about esports, and more importantly, esports money. Okay. So, the highest pool prize for esports, so that is, um, you know, they pull all their money together, and then they do a tournament. Mm -hmm. Okay? On different sponsors. Uh, so this is different from a sponsored tournament I had to google what the hell a pool one was so I needed to like define that anyway so um, the highest pool prize tournament for a team tournament was the international Dota championships of 2016 Okay. could you guess what the prize money was in total so granted first second and third prize uh, first, second, and third places or teams um, split the pot between them. Well, so if, how big was the pot? If it was 2016, I may very well have contributed to this prize mm -hmm. uh, because I was putting money into Dota 2 back then. So, yeah, I I want to say 25 mil ish. Oh, so close! You're five mil out. Twenty. It's not that close million. then. <laughs> no well, it is. It is, because I wouldn't even have guessed that it was close to 5 mil. $20.7 million was in the pot, and the first team won $9.3 million of that. Between out five? Between five players. Oof. Oof. Now, I haven't realised, I don't know how long that tournament lasted. Okay, but just imagine. Just imagine even getting to the quarterfinals or semi-finals. You're like, right, I'm now a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now a millionaire. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It's not bad, is that? Yeah. Shocking, really. Like we, we've, and people kept saying that com committing yourself to games was pointless. These guys are laughing now. <laughs> you know, obviously they've got, you know, 
arthritic hands and they can barely they can barely think outside of Dota but yeah. you know it doesn't matter they're zombies but they're millionaire zombies I'd rather be a millionaire zombie than an alive me exactly <laughs> All right. a lot of people agree with you oh well Dave oh, those were facts about technology but what about yeah. facts about each other I have one about you okay um, please Please educate the audience, because obviously we, um, uh, all of our facts are genuine. We've mm-hmm. known each other now for, I want to say, f- almost four years. That sounds about right. Sounds about right, yeah. And obviously you can learn everything about a person in four years, so... Exactly, over Skype calls and never meeting in person. Woo! Yeah. So my uh, fact about you, uh, maybe a little tragic but I think we can all agree that you came out of the other end of it uh, pretty pretty much uh, pretty much as well as you could have done uh, did you know listeners that Dave was on the Arsenal youth team yeah but fortunately had to give up his future as a top flight football star due mm-hmm. to injury and I'm I know you don't like reliving it Dave I'm very sorry uh, to bring it up but it's it's a bit, it was a big part of your life. It was it was it was it was. Um, you know I was I was training as a centre back mm-hmm. for the Arsenal youth squad. Obviously I grew up in London. Um, if you couldn't tell, listeners. <laughs> okay. Uh, and yeah yeah it, it was a massive massive blow when I got that knee injury. Um, completely separated my cartilage from my knee. Oh fucking hell. Um, wasn't nice really. Um, and yeah. Absolutely heartbreaking, really. Um, because I could have been playing with the greats, really. True, but you know. instead you get to play with me and you have a nice exactly. wife. You might not have met otherwise. Good point. I would not have moved to Birmingham if I was an Arsenal footballer. I would have been tri- playing with Ramsey, though. Swings and roundabouts. Yeah. You know. And Mesut Ozil. Well, could have met them. And I could have been a millionaire. That's a... Well... Um, but I'm glad I met my wife. I didn't want to make it sound like I'm not happy. Okay, <laughs> I am a happy man. <laughs> okay, but obviously I'm now partly in education, mm-hmm. partly, partly um, teaching kids how to actually play football. And uh, yeah, full circle. Full circle. You know, I'm now passing on what could have been to the uh, younger generation. Bit sad. I know. But it's alright, I'm over it. Good, good. You know? Right, are you ready? Are you ready to, uh, listeners, brace yourself for the fact about Gareth? Now, did you know, listeners, that Gareth has a tattoo of his favourite Pokemon on his back? I'm going to give you a minute just to think about what his favourite Pokemon could be. Everyone knows. Everyone always kn- already knows it's a Cyndaquil. I've been very vocal about my love of Cyndaquil on this podcast. See, this is it. I had a level 100 Cyndaquil in Pokemon Gold. See? You know, I was young, stupid. Not, I mean, getting a tattoo is not that stupid. No, but come on. If you if you raise a Pokemon to level 100, it feels like you've already raised a kid. It's no different. It's the exact same as get. You know when exactly. parents get the child's name like tattooed on their arm or something. That's what I was about to say. You get you get names on wrists. You get names on like hands and arms and back and necks. Some people have portraits on their back. 
that's what you did. You yeah. went, you know what, Cyndaquil. Yeah, not just any Cyndaquil, level 100 Cyndaquil. Yeah. It was named Sparky. I thought it was cool because sparks start fires, but everyone was like, shouldn't Sparky be an electric type? And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck I'd... you, I go against the grain. Okay. Yeah, so... I don't question you about your kids' names. So I got a tattoo on my back of a Cyndaquil, and underneath it says Sparky in the kind of fancy writing you can barely tell what it actually says. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm not that ashamed of it. It's... No, no, I was like, you should be proud. It should actually be an opener. Because one, it gives you a chance, you know, when you're meeting women. One, it gives you a chance to, uh, all men, don't mm-hmm. want to, you know. Uh, sure. It gives you a chance to get your shirt off. Yeah. And second of all, it's a talking point. It is definitely a talking point. When I ask it's women awesome. if they want to see my Cinderquill. Exactly. They can't wait. Well, it's always 50-50, isn't it? They either slap you or they get really excited. And either one works for me, I tell you. <laughs> oh. either, one, either one gets you excited, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yes. Some people pay many hundreds of pounds for the pleasure of, of all the slapping across the face. I get it for free. Because oh, I look like a freak. Yeah. So that's but us. Yeah, that's us. A little bit of facts about you. I've, I've had an illustrious childhood, I must say. Well, you know what, Dave? Maybe next week else... people will find out about your adulthood that's also illustrious. Oh. There's so many stories that I've told you, and I'm, I can't wait to hear the one that you actually decide to share. I, we, we've got enough material for years, Dave. Exactly. None of it will contradict each other. Nope. It will all build a, an intricate tapestry of our lives. <laughs> exactly. I'm actually hoping that one of our listeners, or the listener, as he will be known, um, is, is writing all these down, and that eventually we get enough facts that a wiki page comes up on both of us <laughs> about our illustrious lives and they piece together this timeline and then hundreds of years from now archaeologists will dig it up and will be revered mm. as gods exactly <sighs> on to the anyway, news <laughs> on to the news <laughs> Mortal Kombat 11 oh uh, my god Yes. It was revealed in a time since our last podcast. Uh, they had an event in, I want to say, LA? Yeah, let's go with that. All right. Um, <laughs> where they showed off gameplay and characters, and they were like, here's Ronda Rousey, she's a voice. And they were like, here's the story, it's all time travel and evil Raiden. And it looks, I'm going to say, Dave, based on very early footage, it looked pretty fucking cool. Yeah. It does. It looks really good. And again, I've said this before on the podcast, is that I, for one, am not great at playing beat-em-ups. Yeah, same. Just kind of lose patience with them, if I'm honest. But I do enjoy watching good people play beat-em-ups. And this, for visual style and just general, like, sit back and just enjoy yourself watching, uh, Just it just looks amazing. So I can't wait. Yeah, really the, can't wait. the um, fatalities look horrific, which is everything you want. It's exactly what you want. Yeah, I I never played ten. Uh, I played Mortal Kombat nine, which was fantastic. Yeah, um, I think I played nine. I think I Mortal Kombat 10, ten came out a bit too soon afterwards, where I was like, I already played a Mortal Kombat fairly recently. <laughs> yeah. I don't, um, yeah. So I like DLC, not buying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have Mortal Kombat ten. I think it might be installed on this PC actually. Um, wow. But uh, I've never played it. I might jump into it to try and get a uh, 
bit of a feel for the series again. But I think Mortal Kombat 11 looks pretty cool. Looks pretty cool. Uh, is there a release date for it? Yeah, April 23rd, apparently. So that's fucking soon. That's really soon. It's like three months um, away. I just literally Googled Mortal Kombat 11. Do you want to know what the top news story is? I do. Mortal Kombat 11. Um, an unprecedented amount of Mortal Kombat 11 DLC requests for Shaggy the Almighty. Oh, God. <laughs> so the recent Shaggy means, meme that dictates that he's the one and all-powerful creator and just general Goku-style god of fighting. <laughs> um, and everyone is saying that they need to put him into the game. So, fucking all for it. If they put... <laughs> If they put badass Shaggy into it, I think that would just make my year. I mean, they've had guest characters before, right? They had like the Xenomorph mm. from Aliens. They've had exactly. They had like almost unrelated characters as well. Like they had like Friday Thirteenth Jason. In yeah, it. yeah. And you, sort of go, you know, he's like he he was almost a meme. That's true. You know, in popularity, so fuck it, put Shaggy in there. That'll make the game. <laughs> One of his fatalities could be Scrappy Doo comes in and just like jumps down the person's throat and rips out the yeah. stomach or something. Precisely. Oh, so many, just so many. I'll be up for that. Mm. Uh, next story: Player next. Unknown Battlegrounds uh, testing yep. out a PUBG Lite for light-powered uh, computers. Oh, right. Uh, currently running in Thailand right now. Apparently, um, the specs of the PC that would be required to run it look pretty fucking small, which is Whoa, good. Sorry, sorry. Right, I get it. I get what a light version of the game is, but yeah. it's not that like the game is graphically heavy. Okay. <laughs> True, but you you still need a pretty decent system to play the this game. Is what I never understood. That's what I never understood. Why is and it's even still on the Xbox. Okay, unless you've got a One X, this game does not play smoothly. Right. Okay, and you sit there and go, "Why does it need the graphical quality of an X of a 4K machine?" Okay, to load pretty basic Unity graphics. I just don't get it. I just don't. What's going on? Like, it just feels like lesser games load quicker and need less processing power. Hmm. I, just, I, I just don't get it. I just don't know. It just feels like something's wrong with it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Hopefully, the light version comes out and actually improves the gameplay experience. Would light people be able to play with normal PUBG players? Uh, I believe so, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Then I'm all up for it. Get light for the Xbox One, okay? And I'll happily play with slightly less quality if it means that I don't lag. <laughs> <laughs> But it is, it's been designed for regions in the world, like Thailand, where um, yeah. powerful PCs are less prevalent. So, in theory... And also, powerful internet is less prevalent. Exactly, yeah. So, in theory, those places where maybe Fortnite's doing really well because it can run on a wide variety of machines, yeah, maybe they drop uh, PUBG Lite, then they get some more people. Who knows? But Sounds like positive to me. I was about to say, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, me too. Right. Here's this new story. Um, if I had given you one million pounds, you would never have guessed it. <laughs> no. Sea of Thieves is enjoying a resurgence on Twitch. Fucking hell. Is that because <laughs> there's actual gameplay that can be witnessed? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> but I know that guy, um, Summit, 
Um, he used to uh, stream some PUBG, so I saw him a while back. I guess he's he's now the biggest streamer on Twitch. He's taken over Ninja. Oh yeah. Um, and all he does is just stream Sea of Thieves. <laughs> wow. And somehow that got him to like number one on Twitch. I, That's ridiculous. I don't understand, Dave. I don't get it either. Like, as far as I'm aware, nothing's really changed on it in regards to gameplay. It's not exactly the most interesting thing to watch, is it? Mm-hmm. But um, I guess people are harking for pirate adventures, and this will just have to do. I guess so. Man, Until if... that really cool game comes out. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. There's a pirate game coming out this year. Uh, Yeah, Ubisoft showed it. Yeah. I was about to say it's the Ubisoft one isn't it it's got the Black Flags um, engine yeah yeah it's got to be so much piratey is it like crossbow skull and crossbow crossbow and Jolly Roger Um, (laughs) Ubisoft pirate (laughs) skull and bones you were good well done alright I literally just searched Ubisoft pirate and it came up I mean, if you're Microsoft, you couldn't pay for better publicity than the number one streamer on Twitch playing your game. That's no, exactly. That's insane. I wonder if they did pay him actually. I was about to say, wouldn't wouldn't shock me if they have. Yeah, I wonder (laughs) if they were like play this game for the next week, and we'll give you like fifty thousand dollars or whatever the fuck. And he was like, "Yeah, all right." And it actually turned out people enjoyed it because there's not it's not shit. Sea of Thieves is a good game with yeah, not enough point. game in it, right? Yeah, that's it. It's a it's it's a really good base. So, yeah. like I said before, is that um, like it was so much fun learning like the realistic controls, and you know, you actually felt like each person. And again, single player when you're just driving a one boat, you know, you're sitting there going, "God, I've actually got to like adjust for the wind and shit." There's a storm coming in. You generally do feel like you need to be on your toes and mm-hmm. figure out where everything is it's just sadly once you arrive at that island you jumped off there was about 15 skeletons that you killed you loot the same chest and then you 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 sailed back and then you received another quest and then you did the exact same thing and that's the gameplay repeated for hours so <laughs> like they needed they needed a lot more variety mm-hmm. and obviously they've got it like again I'm not going to pretend like I've seen a recent update on... I know it has been updated. I just haven't watched or played it, so... Yeah, when I've been flicking through news stories the past few months, it's always like there or thereabouts a new update for Sea of Thieves, and I always go past it, because why would I read that? Yeah. But I guess they've been pretty uh, pretty active with updates, and I guess it's paying off, which is... That's good to me. I like when a game keeps improving over time. Yeah. No man's well, I think everyone's point year. is, yeah, exactly, yeah. But everyone's point is again with um, I forgot sakes with live services. That's it. Sorry, it just mm-hmm. went out of my head. Uh, with these live service games, like they always release them as full games when actually they've only got like beta style content in them. They charge like fifty five pounds for them on release. And you don't get fifty-five quid's worth, but then they keep saying, "Yeah, but it's coming." And you think, "Yeah, but that's not the point." The point is, yeah, is that you know, if you if you release it as a base or as an early access and charge thirty pounds for it, people won't moan. Yeah. Um, you know, if you say this will 
eventually become better, um, people won't mind. Uh, but it's when you charge full price for half a game. And yeah. then you say, yeah, but it is going to get better. You went, yeah, but why didn't you just release it when it was better? And then I would have played, I would have paid £60 and not moaned. But yeah, like you said, I'm just glad it's living up and I'm glad that Microsoft actually didn't give up on it and say, oh, fuck it, well, we've got our initial burst of money. Let's just uh, leave it as that. So yeah. <laughs> Never know. I might actually start playing it again. Maybe. People. That'd be an interesting uh, topic for discussion mm. one day. Exactly. All right, uh, Nintendo. Ooh. Uh, you yep. know how last E3 they showed a logo for Metroid Prime 4, and they were like, we're making this, then that's it. That's all they said <laughs> yeah. about it. Yep. Uh, they released a video this week um, where essentially the video, I can sum it up in this one sentence, we're scrapping Metroid Prime 4 and restarting again with Retro Studios. Which, okay, you say that, Dave, but this is great news. All right? Retro Studios, yeah. the team that okay. made Metroid Prime 1, 2, and 3, mm. weren't going to do 4. Now they are, and Nintendo are saying, we're actually going to let you start from scratch. We're going to scrap everything we did before. We're just going to let you start a brand new game called Metroid Prime okay, 4 then. from scratch. Yeah. Well, yeah, sorry. For some reason, when I first heard it, I thought they were just, like, jumping ship and just throwing it off to someone else. <laughs> um... You know, but actually, no, that sounds a lot better than I anticipated it to be. <laughs> I, I'm excited. I really like. Yeah. Well, Metroid Prime One is one of my probably like one of my top twenty games I've ever played. I think Metroid Prime Two oh. and Three, very solid, very good. Not quite yeah. up to that level, but I am I'm well up for a Metroid Prime Four. Yeah. It's like, just like the thought of like everyone just going, oh, should we make another Metroid? And then like um, Metroid going, oh, no, we're a bit busy at the minute. And they're like, oh, okay, then. So they started it. And then like two years later, Retro comes back and goes, oh, you're finished now. Um, shall I um, help? And they were like, no, fuck this shit. This is crap. <laughs> <laughs> you can start from scratch. I, th- I don't think any company <laughs> other than Nintendo would probably get away with this. Yeah, you've got a point. There is no one. I think... You know, you take the piss out of Nintendo fans and you take the piss out of Nintendo for like their business model because they do make such rapid U-turns. But I think with with Nintendo fans, like they stick with it because they know it pays off in the end. Yeah. Like Nintendo do make U-turns and sometimes it appears like a bad decision because you've got to wait another like two bloody years for it to come out. And then you sit there and go, actually, it was worth it. So they don't make bad decisions they just make everyone wait and it's only Nintendo who would ever take that chance and be like yep yeah, we're just going to make our fans wait because it'll be worth it yep exactly. they'd rather release something that's good rather than something that's just shit and taints their name exactly and they're not going to release a Metro Prime 4 and then update it over the next year until it's the game they wanted it to be precisely that's what I mean yeah. Microsoft exactly um <laughs> <laughs> Another uh, game has been poached by the Epic Store on PC. Oh, yeah. 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 Metro Exodus will now release exclusively on the Epic Store, not Steam. Is the Metro following still quite large? Uh, large enough, I think. Well, large enough for them yeah. to make like a few of these games, right? Large enough on PC, isn't it? As I say. Yeah, it's one of those games that's always sort of a bit of a showcase, because they're always... yeah graphically very nice so when one comes out you'll see a lot of screenshots floating around oh my god look at this game um 
but now it's not coming out on Steam, uh, with some exceptions. It, you've been able to pre-order the game on Steam for like six months now. So those will all be um, honoured. Um, any physical copies of the PC version will come with a Steam code as well, so you'll be able to download it through there. Yeah. Um, and the game is coming to Steam a year from now. It's like a year exclusive on the Epic Store. Uh, but otherwise, you got to get that Epic Store if you want to play Exodus on PC. So they're doing well. They're, they're kind of backing the market into a corner. They're really selective. Just going, yeah, that'll be a release that'll piss some PC people off, so they'll come to our store. <laughs> that'll, that'll be a release as well. I'll nick that one. Yeah. Plus, you know, with yeah, that, that kind of stuff coupled with them releasing, like like we said last episode, Edith Finch was free on their store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like they're just they're doing a lot of things. Actually, I, if I'm honest, yeah, I'm 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 happy that Steam is actually getting competition because I think Steam's been allowed to get get away with so much shit a lot because it's had no competition. So you know the Steam green light and all of the bullshit um, games which are currently just like infesting the storefront, and you sit there and go, no, it does need you know online pc gaming or like a storefront for pc gaming it does need a revamp it needs competition so that it pulls its finger out of its ass and starts becoming good again mm-hmm. like you know maybe this will be the insurgence that it needs to kind of just wipe the store of all the shitty you know green lit games and start making because at the minute steam doesn't really have a name for itself it's just the default it's almost like internet explorer on pc because nothing else was available and then yeah. suddenly you sit there and go oh google chrome or oh, firefox yeah that sounds <laughs> you know you sit in there and suddenly suddenly when it's got competition that's when it starts getting better well i say that i'd, I'd like that comparison to end with oh because you know i i constantly use edge but that's not the case <laughs> said no one ever you know, literally no one goes oh yeah I fucking love Microsoft in the Explorer yeah yeah well Valve have released a statement um, which I believe should uh, give you some idea as to how they're feeling about this whole situation so I'm, I'm going to read the statement <laughs> fuck for you, you now. epic <laughs> you know what Dave more or less okay <clears throat> later today Sales of Metro Exodus will be discontinued on Steam due to a publisher decision to make the game exclusive to another PC store. Not even naming it. The developer and publisher have assured us that all prior sales of the game on Steam will be fulfilled on Steam, and Steam owners will be able to access the game and any future updates or DLC through Steam. We think the decision to remove the game is unfair to Steam customers, especially after a long pre-sale period. We apologise to Steam customers that were expecting it to be available for sale through the February 15th release date, but we were only recently informed of the decision and given limited time to let everyone know. So there you go. Yeah, they're definitely saying, fuck you, I hate it. Feathers are ruffled, man. Valve realised this is a big deal. Yeah. Which can only mean good things, I think competition is healthy for stuff like this that's what I said yeah competition is what drives it and competition is what drives people to get better and I'm glad that they're pissed he said no they should be you know you've you've sat on top your phone unchallenged for too many years and finally people are well customers or publishers are saying we're fed up with your shit so I'll go somewhere else all these other stores tried, you know, EA's Origin yeah. came out, nothing. Uplay came out, nothing. Now this one comes out. 
it's high time you uh, pay the piper, Steam. Yeah, exactly. So exciting! I'll be I'll be interested to see how 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 the drama unfolds. I reckon it'll be one of those situations where it's like, oh, this game's coming out on the Epic Store and the Steam Store. If you buy it on Steam, it's twenty five percent cheaper, and that'll yeah, be yeah. Nice. Or they'll get or they'll get like a um, super DLC or something. And they'll start doing that. Oh, you know, that'd be horrible. It'll be, like, it'll be like, oh, you can only get this pack. Uh, but obviously it'll start off with uh, like cosmetic stuff because no publisher will hide DLC and story stuff yeah, behind yeah. the table. It'll be um, like if you pre-order the Batman game on the Epic Store, you get this exclusive Batman 66 costume yeah, with Adam exactly. West's voice pack or whatever. Yeah, precisely. Uh, it will start off with things like that and then it will just be like you said oh no we'll do it cheaper oh no no not as cheap as us <laughs> <laughs> they'll start beating each other like cheapest cheapest PC store by one penny <laughs> <laughs> right, last yeah. news story Dave okay okay I'm ready uh, to bring up Resident Evil 2 again uh, which we already have twice this episode I should. think yeah think we should uh, Capcom have announced that the game is doing very well they've uh, I believe they've shipped 3 million units already fucking hell which is very good and they've already announced uh, what their first bit of DLC is going to be uh, we'll focus oh, yeah? on three separate survivors in the city at the time of the outbreak um, giving three different perspectives on the events of the game uh, based on who those survivors are I think they're just sort of unnamed people I think. Yeah, Let yeah, me see. yeah. They probably will be. They'll probably be like unnamed because they're trying to kind of flesh out the universe. It's either they're trying to because I think Capcom realised that um, it doesn't. Well, the first three games don't really link um, concrete enough to say four, five, six, seven. Um, well, four, five, and six. So seven came out, and then kind of linked the origin of the virus. And then they were like, "Right now, let's see if we can build on this." I um, I was wrong. They have named the characters. Do you want to know who's, who's going to start? Okay, yeah. yeah, go go. Okay, so it'll be called the Ghost Survivors. Nice. And the three characters it will feature are Robert Kendo, the firearms dealer who owns Raccoon City's. Kendo Gun Shop. Um, yeah. There'll be a member of Umbrella Security Service, who is currently unnamed, and Raccoon City Mayor Michael Warren's daughter. So there you go. I think, does she play a bigger part in the massive story? Uh, yeah, there's a sentence after that, which I don't want to read out in case it's a spoiler. Okay, um, yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, she Actually, yeah, needs to say she is... I've already known part of that universe. Yeah. So I was wrong. Wee. Wee. There we go. But I was I was kind of correct that they're trying to flesh out the universe a bit more so that these games stick. Yeah. Um, I've been watching it recently. Um, well, I've been watching it all day. Um, playthroughs because as 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 discussed last episode, I'm an absolute wuss. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't play horror games. Um, not even calm. Don't want to. It's it's purely a choice. It's not like someone's holding me back. Um, yeah, don't want to play it. But this one, been watching Let's Plays online. Just going, you know what? This is really addictive. Just watching it. It's yeah. it's so entertaining. 
Um, and I found that the same with Resident Evil 7. Did they do a remake of Resi 1? Have I missed something? Or did they, they just go... They remade Resident Evil 1 on the GameCube. Yeah, they did. They, they Yeah. And those that. games are fucking terrifying as well. Yeah, again. Um, it's kind of... they. With What impressed me about Resident Evil 2 is that they've... They've kind of upgraded the movement mm-hmm. uh, and the perspective and the view, and like the graphics are intense. Um, the sound is like incredible, but then you still find the players getting caught in the similar scenarios as if the controls were tank-like, <laughs> as in the first game, where like because the clever the clever map design has kind of you. It, it makes it so easy for you to one get lost, um, two get trapped, <laughs> and three run out of, or get into a situation where you've got no choice but to use your ammo. Right. Um, and I said, you know, so despite the fact that they've kind of improved the movement of it and like upgraded it to modern standards, you're still you've still got the same feel as when you played it the first time. Cool. So well, yeah, again, I. I played Resident Evil 4 with some friends uh, last year. We just sat in the house all day and played it from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, and I pitched to those guys, do you want to do that again with Resident Evil 2? And they seemed up for it. So I might actually get to play Resident Evil 2. I'm like you, I can't play it on my own because I'll die from fear. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I just, I enjoy it less when I'm the person holding the controller because <laughs> I know that I'm an idiot Yeah. when I get, you know... It's like little things like you've got to point and aim and shoot standing still. Yeah, that would just fuck me up. <laughs> um, I played Resident Evil 5 because it was co-op. Uh-huh. And also it was kind of set in light, you know, I can see everything-esque yeah. maps. So you sit there and go, yeah, this is kind of scary, but it's more like an action game than it is a horror game where the original three are literally, you've got that tyrant running around Resident Evil 2 who just walks you slowly because he knows he can one-hit you. Yeah. He doesn't need to run. He's like, no, I'll, I'll take my time. You hear his and footsteps that coming from a mile yep. away. Ugh. This is it, and that would shit me up, and I'll be like, no, and I'll be shooting him every single time I saw him because in my head, that's the way that I should play it. <laughs> but obviously, I need to run. So I enjoy someone else who's a bit more savvy who runs around and I can actually enjoy the game rather than getting frustrated at my own stupidity. I think that's fair. Oh, uh, one last bit of news about this news. Um, this Ghost Survivors uh, DLC is free. Oh, that's even... So they go. See? That's how you do DLC. Well, when you're selling 3 million units of a game, you just give people what Fucking they hell, want. Just give it. Just give it out. Yeah. Nicely done, Capcom. You, you've yeah. been a bit of shit recently with your Street Fighter 5s and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Not going to... Sh- you know, credit where credit's due. You can be shit, but you've done well here. <laughs> yeah, big time. Mm. Good on them. All right. Good, 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 good. I'm not sure if we have a uh, feature planned. Yes, we do. Do we? Oh, I have recently played the Anthem demo. Oh, so my God. Next. So coming next is my um, up-to-date review of the demo and my predictions for the game itself. Wow. Look I think forward- you'll be pleasantly surprised. Look forward to that after this music break. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's video game music segment. I'm the host of the segment, Gareth. 
Uh, so this week I've got 15 minutes worth of music for you. Uh, it's from a live orchestra uh, playing the music from Undertale, uh, which is, as you all know, a indie game uh, made by one guy called Toby Fox. He made all the game, all the gameplay and all the music as well. It's a very, very good soundtrack. And I found this uh, on YouTube. Uh, right now it's sitting about 900,000 views, so it's not like I discovered it. Um, but it's by the Symphonic Gamers Orchestra, known as Jagmo. I think if you probably YouTube Jagmo, J-A-G-M-O, you would probably find it pretty easy. Um, but it's a really, really good uh, composition of most of the music from Undertale. Even if you've not played the game, I think you can still appreciate the music, and especially when it's done and orchestrated in such an incredible way. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this performance. So, with the music from Undertale, the YouTube video is called Symphonic Gamers 3 by Jagmo, the Symphonic Gamers Orchestra.
Right, so into the Anthem demo. Do you know Anthem? Um, you know, let's just start on. Uh, so it is an EA Destiny. I go. I have to admit, Dave, I have been very optimistic about Anthem from the first gameplay they showed, where it looked like a cross between Destiny and Borderlands um, and somewhat a bit more MMOE. I, I've been optimistic about it since I first saw it. Quietly optimistic. Right. I'm not going to tell anyone because I'm not yeah. like an idiot. Uh, I got. I. I'll be honest. When I saw it, I was like, "Oh, this looks really cool." But then it, I just had a flashback of all the other times that I thought Destiny looked really cool, <laughs> and my absolute shock horror of its pure boredom mm-hmm. that it produced. Um, and then when I was just like, "God, this looks really cool," and then you know, literally at the end. EA's logo slammed up and I was like great it's just going to be shit <laughs> okay it's just going to be a DLC microtransactions fuck fest okay no one's going to give a shit about this game so when they released and I, this is usually a massive ballsy move I feel in the modern age mm-hmm. to release a playable two day demo of yeah. the game you sit there and go that's ballsy because if it's fucking shit Literally, no one's buying it. Yeah. Okay. And it's not like you can lie either. It's not like you can make the demo really good, <laughs> and then the full release is shit because mm-hmm. then you get worse backlash. So when whenever there's a demo, I'm sitting there going, right, I'm on it. Okay. Now knowing the sort of game it is, knowing who is releasing it, uh, but then the only saving grace, Bioware. Yeah. And I went, you know what? These these dudes haven't really released a shit game. I didn't play Mass Effect much, uh, but I enjoyed watching my brother play it. I love all the um, Mass Effects. Anyone who says Mass Effect Andromeda you, was bad. You loved Andromeda. Everyone yeah. else said it was a bit bad. Missed I, the mark a bit. I enjoyed it. But, but you know, it's it's not awful. So, the demo. Um, the demo is... First of all, Dave, did you have any of the trouble getting in? Because I know that was the big thing. Right, yeah. Shall I, shall I, shall I, shall I get the... Right, I've, I've sectioned this review okay. uh, into different sections, okay? So first of all, it's... Uh, well, I've done it through gameplay, music, scenery, story, any issues I encountered, and then obviously my final verdict. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, this would be an easy way to kind of organise my, vo- uh, my thoughts... But I will go to the obvious issues first, which are the first three in my issues panel. So, uh, obviously, so the main issues being connection issues, uh-huh. uh, loading issues, um, combat issues. Oh, shit. So, that sounds like a big one to me. So, no, no. These are the three common ones which people um, experienced during the demo. So, the loading issue, first of all, there was a huge loading bug Okay. Where um, when you joined the lobby, uh, it would bring up this beautiful loading screen uh, and a progress bar, right. and so you would see the progress bar slowly load, and at any point when it just jumped from say um, I've had it once, like it went from fifty percent to like eighty percent. If it jumped that thirty percent, I'm fucked. Right. I'm, it's never moving from eighty percent. I'm gonna have to quit the game, reload it, join back in. Because it would just freeze. It would just freeze and not load. Sometimes, 
And I'll be honest, it only happened to me once when I actually saw the progress bar go from 0% to 100% and I joined the game. Every other time we joined a mission, it would get to 50%, jump to 80% and just not load anymore. So I'd have to quit the game, load it back in, connect back to the server and then join my party again. And then immediately I'll just join in as if there was no issues. Um... I want to add that um, EA and Bioware have announced that they that that this is a demo only issue, right. and that it will be fixed by full release. Okay. And I felt like literally commenting back and just saying, "Well, I fucking hope so. Otherwise, your game is broken." <laughs> like in full release, I expect my game to actually load every mission rather than me having to quit before playing every mission and reload it. It's yeah, it just added to the game time, um, you know massively right because you sit and it's going this is just irritating um the second one as mentioned was the combat so there were some issues people experienced with the combat being that the ai would just disappear um you'll be halfway through a battle and then suddenly the enemies that you were fighting just vanish sink into the floor and then the checkpoint would move on (laughs) other times where they would just load in but the ai wouldn't load in so the enemies would just stand still or run around in circles or run into walls. Um, I'd happily say is that I reckon that this bug was in like the first couple of hours of the release of the demo because when I was playing the missions, uh, I had none of that issues. I think the only... Um, I experienced it a little bit in regards to the bigger battles, like some of the groups would spawn in randomly, uh, stand still, I'd kill them, and then that's it. Right. Um, so... He said, let's go. there's some AI bugs, but I didn't experience it massively, um, which is positive. Okay. Um, what was the other one I mentioned? I've forgotten it already. Yeah, it was loading times, it was getting connected in the first place, and it was... Yeah, yeah, that was it, the connection error. So the first instance when my friend tried to play it in the f- um, like as soon as it was released, the game actually crashed all of EA's servers. Oh, Jesus. So um, he was either playing, he was just like, oh, can't even load this um, demo. It's so stupid. And then my mate was playing FIFA, and then he got kicked from the EA servers as well. Uh, It seemed to be quite sporadic with users, um, but it seemed like a big bulk of the EA servers crashed. Um, Luckily, we played it on the Sunday, and it was flawless. But some people were left in that um, open sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing that endless loop for ages like it just kept on showing him getting into a javelin and then it would freeze and then show him getting into the javelin again which is the machine and then just freeze again so it would just be playing that entrance sequence over and over and over again uh, which drove people insane uh, but like I said never experienced that issue um, I'd happily say and confidently say that I think that these are demo only issues Mm-hmm. So I um I don't I don't expect them to be in the full release. Okay. Um, I was about to say if I'm on this um. Yeah, I'll come to the other issues at the end. Okay. But um yeah, the gameplay or the demo starts you quite uniquely, um, midway through a story tree. Okay. You're level ten. You can go to level fifteen. At level fourteen, or maybe. I think it's 13, 14, you release or you get to unlock a second class 
so a second javelin and I'll come on to that a bit later Um, and then it allows you to play three story missions um, two like raid style open world missions and then it also allows you to explore part of the map so you can get used to it okay um most of the content and they admit this as soon as the demo loads most of the content isn't fully fleshed out so they were like despite the fact there's been a 25 gigabyte download demo most of the interactions aren't there so dialogue trees with npcs don't exist um a lot of the a lot of the people on, on loops a lot of the npcs on loops um things like the music are on loops so it's not a finished product Mm -hmm. um but they allow you to know that from the get-go they call it a demo yeah they're calling it a demo so So you sit there and go i I actually quite enjoyed that honesty i quite enjoyed the fact that they threw you in midway through a demo um a a story just so you can experience cutscenes, but not really know what's going on good you know it doesn't ruin the full release it doesn't feel like I'm playing you know it from the start and feeling like oh god I've actually unlocked nothing right. you know you start at a decent level you're level 10 your your mech has been upgraded a decent amount so that you're like your flying capabilities are better you get a full feel to the game so I did enjoy it cool um, so gameplay wise this is split into two main sections so you've got like a hub tier and then you've got like the outside world I've completely forgotten what they call the outside world I tried to google it but I couldn't really find someone <laughs> but they call it something it's like the nexus right okay um have a drink so the hub world known as Fort Tavis I think we just call it the fort um very impressive actually to look at visually really good really nice um it's like the main hub area which where you customize your javelin you talk to npcs you can um socialize with other humans i think you can trade so it's similar to the hub in um destiny um but like i said in the demo majority of that was just cut off for us so Uh you could talk to you could talk to three NPCs. One's a barman, the other one's a mechanic, and the other one's a trader. Um, these are like your main comrades, as it were, in the game, it feels. So they had dialogue trees that you could participate in. Um, saying that, the participation is very basic. So you have a, a decision to make, Gareth. Okay. Am I going to click the left trigger to answer their question, or am I going to trigger the right trigger? Can I click them both at once and see which one? Nope. Oh, I no. tried that. Tried that. It just looked at me. It just went no <laughs> because you've got to hold them. Ah. Okay. It's not just clicking. You've got to hold it for like two seconds for it to, and a little circle fills up. Now, as you've as you've obviously encountered in many. So uh, many games in recent times, there's some sort of moral system going oh my about. God, no way. So left trigger is, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to answer something good, and the right trigger, I'm slightly sarcastic. 
Okay, that is literally the two choices that you can make. It doesn't feel like it makes much of a difference to the the answer back. Um, at, uh, I think my brother, we tested it on a couple of them. And again, this might just be the demo, but I did the left choice and he did the right choice almost at the same time. And I said to him, like, oh, well, how does she respond? And he just said the exact same words back as I just already heard. Right. I was just like, right, so it's just the way that your character responds. They don't respond to it, though. Right. <laughs> so hopefully that's more fleshed out in the game. Um, in regards to, like I said, the graphics, they look a lot like Ubisoft game graphics. Okay. And so it's got a very far cry Assassin's Creed vibe to the buildings and the character designs and the models and the way that everything feels when you're moving around. And you're like, it feels like a clone of the animus sequences from the Assassin's Creed genre. Okay. And I don't want it to be like that. Um, like I said... Um, the issue that I had with this fault issue, or this fault as a total, it just feels like a stopgap. Now, it's not like the Destiny um, hub, where you can see, at the minute, by the way, I don't know if this is going to be full release, but in the demo, you couldn't see your squad. Okay. So despite the fact I was in a squad, despite the fact in the top right-hand corner it told me who was in my squad, we all had separate hubs, Okay, which means that you could do your own thing. You could experience the cutscenes... Um, yourself without anyone else being there. Right. Um, but I felt that made the whole fort almost seem empty. A lot of the NPCs, like I said before, were on loops. So despite the fact that it felt like it was, you know, busy, when you paid attention, the, the, the guys were doing the same animations over and over again. It was the same noises played over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then it almost felt quite pointless and forced. So at one time, I was um, there's a bit where you have to go and talk to the bar, um, the barman, and all he talks about is women and drink. Like, he's so typecast, it's unreal. <laughs> So, like I said, at the minute, it's a bit disappointing, especially from people like Bioware, um, where, let's be honest, Mass Effect had loads of like side characters and side stories. So, it's not they don't know how to make good side characters. Yeah. So, I hope that this is just the demo. I hope it's just them showing us what the dialogue trees would be like and that these characters are actually a bit more fleshed out and it doesn't feel like it's a, it's a pointless detour. You would um, hope so, yeah. I'd hope so. Um, saying that like I said the centre of the hub as it were is like this um... (laughs) my brother said it's like oh I love it the fact that they've put my javelin on show for everyone all these poor people to witness it because it literally is like the centre of this marketplace is just this stand where your javelin is and it just looks like it's a deity (laughs) overlooking all these poor people um but yeah, you can customise your javelin um, from this point and, you know, it's okay. It serves a purpose. But like I said, at the minute, uh, when it comes to player interaction, it feels a bit bare. Um, you would hope that's just because it's a demo though, right? This is it. I'm, I'm, I'm taking this on the point of it's just a demo, so I'm hoping it's just a demo that makes it bare and that, you know, judging from Bio, Bioware's previous, like, you know, RPG-style games that... Um, you know, there's going to be a lot more to this place. 
Right. I hope they just don't take it like the like the Assassin's Creed games. Like I said, my fear is is that it's going to be like the Animus. When you come out the Animus and you're just walking around the fucking office, <laughs> not really doing much, and there's not really much to do. Um, yeah. So I hope it's just not that. But that's how it felt in the demo. So I hope they flesh that out a little bit. Um, the visual designs for the like the fort are completely different when you go outside it almost feels like a completely different game um so the like i said the fort feels more very ubisoft style it reminds me a lot of far cry 5 like you're looking around you're just going this looks like far cry um and then you get into your suit you get ejected out you see the little cutscene when the load bar actually successfully loads you in the mission, you then come into this outside alien world and it's got a very colourful and futuristic feel about it. It's, it's like Destiny, Warframe and Division like smashed together. <laughs> and you're like, my God, there's just so much here. Um, I think the best thing about it and like combining a bit of the scenery here is that um, just everything looks so amazing and like you just get this in this childish sense that you just want to explore. Yeah. You're like, yeah, let's, what's over there? Fuck, let's just go. Um, and because of the way in which you actually depart as a squad, it's just fantastic. Um, so you all load into the same landing platform um, if you load in at the same time. Uh, but most of the time, when it's when people just wait, you all load into the same platform, mm-hmm. and you're like on top of like this massive mountain, and you get to see a majority of this grass woodland, and you're like, this is amazing. But then you kind of get it just goes um, click left stick to activate your jetpacks and start flying, and you're like, okay. So the first time you do it, you kind of just hover and then you fly off. And you're like, oh, that's a bit boring. But then what you realise is that, oh, I can double jump. So when you start playing the demo a bit more, you then start double jumping and falling for like 15 seconds. And then you activate your jetpack and then you all fly off. Or like, you know, you as a squad can all just like jump together and then just zoom off like five, three, four, five Iron Men just like shooting off into the distance. There's something like horrendously like cool about it like and i do feel like a 12 year old saying it but it just feels cool the way that you press that button you feel the controller vibrating in your headset like the jetpack makes that like iconic noise and you sit there and go this is something so satisfying about activating your jetpack and just flying around it's just amazing it's the only word for it um like i said you really feel like iron man um, it looks just, really cool it's just great and it's so fluid like I've never said this before like, but the controls feel it feels like he reacts exactly how I expect him to react in that suit when he's flying he he reacts exactly how I expect him to react so the flight is controlled um, so the jetpacks have a limit so you're not endlessly flying now I thought that, that was going to be annoying at first, but it actually makes it better. Um, okay. Is this another one of those realism in games? No, this is it. I thought it was going to be okay, but the jetpack is because it's done for a reason. There's things that you can explore up high. There's things that they want you to explore up high, but by forcing you down to the ground, there's also a different level. You know, you feel 
like you're you're being forced to explore all of the world okay. and you're not just saying because flying is the easy way it's the fastest route obviously but it gives you more of a chance to explore the wildlife it gives you a chance to explore all the different terrains and there are different terrains everything feels different when you go into a cave it feels different when you go into the mountains it feels different to the jungles it feels different to the water bits um and there's just something so enticing about wanting to explore everywhere um and I just got to commend it. You sit there, got, I, I never fully expected me to actually want to explore an open world as much as I have done. But you sit there and go, actually, I can boost along the ground, which uses my leg boosters, which are different boosters to my jetpack. So it's not like I'm moving any... I'm not moving slower whilst on the ground, right. but it just means that I'm exploring and it continuously changes the the world in which you're looking at. So instead of just going, oh, because I, it will get proper boring to be like, right, there's the checkpoint over there, just fly to it. It would just be boring. Yeah. So they've made traveling a lot more exciting without the need of fast travel and also not making it too long-winded because you're only running for, say, 25 seconds and then you can fly again. Cool. And then you can boost again. So, you know, you're you're constantly just chopping and changing, which makes it feel a lot a lot, a lot more unique actually um like i said everything looks different it wants you to explore when you get into the actual game they've kept, kept saying that there's like loot caves that you can explore these are optional tasks things will be hidden um so and like i said the game does a really good job of wanting to make you explore pushing you and encouraging you to explore um just looking for my notes yeah everything I think I just covered so the outside is kind of where everything happens like I said it feels completely different really colourful um, like I said if you want to make a comparison to Destiny 2 everything just felt the same despite the fact I went to different planets not even different zones different fucking planets they all felt similar yeah you know apart from the fact that this one's got a stormy rain cloud in it and oh, this one's a bit more green but genuinely it feels the same you know it's the same futuristic boxy mechanical feel to Destiny 2 where in the short zone in which we're allowed to explore in uh, Anthem there's so many different varieties of terrain and I first of all thought that that would just feel weird, but it doesn't because it just there's something weird about how it just seamlessly changes, and so it doesn't feel unnatural. And like I was saying before, when it comes to realism, the game tells you what's real. So on this planet, the terrain will change rapidly, and that's fine. And like you said before, it feels similar to Borderlands, mm-hmm. where you could have that icy cavern right next to that volcano. Right. You know, that's fine. Okay, because the world says it's fine. Um, but like I said, the outside is where it happens, and it's definitely, definitely worth exploring. Um, the combat, moving on, is where it gets quite fun. Um, like I said, the it feels more like Destiny and Division combined. So the enemies are quite these unnamed mutated aliens 
you know that's the sort of visual design they're going for i didn't really concentrate on the the how they look much i feel like they're going to change a lot because they 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 looked quite blocky in regards to color okay they didn't really feel like they've been fleshed out so i feel like that they're going to change um design quite a bit um but the sense of combat is great so they kind of set up these arenas sort of thing in different areas for you to battle and it feels like a battle definitely feels wide scale definitely feels like you're making a like these huge impacts with like your guns and like your special rocket move and you're like this feels epic <laughs> uh and it doesn't feel like they're just spawning it feels like they're naturally that this will be a base where people would you know where this force would just hang and actually they will have people close by so reinforcement doesn't feel like you know they've just spawned behind that rock yeah um it feels natural Um, these for like quests yeah so these are quests like the enemies in like the open world are a lot more say natural based enemies so you'll get like different arrays of creature to defeat and sometimes you might um, stumble across a base or a um, like they might be investigating a different place and you might stumble across them looting that chest and then you fight those sort of enemies. But when it comes to the missions, you fly, you get there, and then there's a massive battle. So it feels like that's kind of natural. It doesn't feel out of place. Um, saying that, the combat at first is quite difficult to get head, head around. Um, there's no cover. So there's not a cover system. Okay. It's based... It's, it's a lot like Halo. Um in regards to you can't get behind cover there's enough rocks where you can cover um but because it's third person you feel like you're missing that cover um saying that though they want you to rely a lot more on the jetpack they want you to rely a lot more on say boosting out of ways to dodge and to be quite quick in shooting and moving around so that it's more like a a gang up system where you all agree to say defeat the bigger enemy not take him on one on one Um, so once you get the hang of that then the game starts making sense it's difficult as well because there's a lot of flashing there's a lot of noise Um, it's a lot like Halo you know when um, your shield drains in Halo Mm -hmm. and it does that continuous bleeping it feels like that bleeping is always happening (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, oh my god, just shut the fuck up. But um, like I said, once you get the hang of it, once you progress through the game, those flashing noises and, you know, everything serves a purpose. And your brain actually starts identifying what what each noise and what each light means. So it definitely feels like you would be, say, for example, in Iron Man's helmet. And, you know, you've got all these warning signs going off, but it tells you they all mean something. So without really looking at the HUD, you know what's going on. I know that I'm out of ammo. I know my shield is low. I know my health is low. I know that my enemy or my friend is down. Things like that. Um, It all kind of gels together. Cool. Um, Like I said, um, a couple of people in my squad complained about motion sickness, which, which I never really thought of. Um, I only really think of motion sickness when it comes to VR. 
You definitely get. But they said that the. Yeah, they said that the flying, especially like I said in the combat, you're kind of flying around the place, you're dodging, and things like that. Um, the motion blur was giving them a bit of a headache. They were just like, "Oh God, I can't focus." Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't experience this, but there is always an option to turn it off, which I think is good. So you can actually turn motion blur off, um, and it doesn't, it doesn't over exaggerate the motion blur. So it, the motion blur still exists, but it's not um, as exaggerated. So it's a bit less. Now they say that the graphics kind of drop a bit when that happens, but if you experience motion sickness, at least there's an option to turn the blur off, yeah. so you don't hate the game. Um, but yeah, in regards to combat, um, boss battles are massive, and it really ramps up the difficulty when it comes to boss. They feel like bosses. Um, most of the missions were fun um i feel like you know we got a very limited view of what is on offer but it looks promising there's less collect and delivery missions like they were in destiny and i hope that that maintains i hope that in the real game they don't sit there and go oh here's an optional optional mission go to this zone pick that up bring it back to me because at the minute the missions kind of had a natural progression because like you said we started midway through this com- this uh, story tree mm-hmm. you're collecting an artifact you're figuring out what this artifact does you're trying to figure out the the um, origin of this alien race it feels very much like destiny but the difference is is that when you're fighting through lesser enemies and then suddenly this boss appears it's the crescendo that you want it to be Right. You know, when the right. boss comes, you sit there and go, oh shit. And then suddenly this big battle ensues where you're all flying around, you're all shooting, there's minions that you've got to kill, you're picking up ammo, picking up perks. It just goes on for a significant amount of time where you feel like, actually, this is epic. It feels like everyone in the squad is working together. It feels like you're actually making a difference by making tactical decisions here and there. Um, it's exactly what you wanted it to be. Like I felt like in Destiny that sometimes the bosses were a bit boring. There, yep, I would agree. You know, yeah, that there wasn't really much to them. Um, and there's a lot of hiding and waiting and shooting, taking your shots, and you know they were just bullet sponges. Now, despite the fact that this is a boss, they are bullet sponges in Anthem. It just feels like you're making more of a difference if you are tactical about it. So, for example, in towards the end of the demo, you fight like this big crab scorpion monster, but its underbelly is its weak spot. Now, if you had someone who was quick, who could run in there. Or if you create the tactical uh, decision to clear the minions below it so that you can get under there, shoot a special attack up to its backside, blow it up, it will take significant more damage than rather than just keep shooting at its shell. Right. So there's there, it feels a lot more like there's a decision to be made. You can either you know, grind it out and it will die, or you can figure out, because this is a boss battle that there's like environmental damage that, that can be caused there is you know tactical decisions which will give you more damage so be smart about it you can defeat the enemy quicker your decisions actually benefit you wait when you Rather say environmental damage what do you mean 
So things like um, there's like there's rocks, there's like geysers in one of the um, or geysers, sorry, in one of the caves that you can like lure this scorpion monster to as it's about to explode, and then suddenly it's like environmental damage from the hot steam. Oh, cool! And it gives you it gives you an opportunity then to then shoot it because it's stunned. And you see that's that's quite cool. Um, also, I've seen on some of the promotional videos that you can shoot rocks from the ceiling, and it just like hurts them as well. Nice. So they're not always obvious, and I hope that they're a little bit more obvious. Um, but yeah, there are like environmental damages that can be caused, which is quite cool. Um, in regards to um, the loadout system, so linking it to the javelin. Each loadout is customizable. You get a lot of loot, similar to that of Destiny, so that you've got the rarity ladder from common to ultra rare. Mm-hmm. You know, as you go up the ladder, the gun improves. It might get a special ability, etc. In the demo, you can only get up to rare items. Okay. Um, and they do significantly more damage. But saying that, you can make complete shit of a loadout. So, for example, you can choose a loadout which is completely shit for your class right. or for your javelin, which is good. So it doesn't really hold your hand. It doesn't hold your hand and say, "Oh no, you can't use that for that um, that javelin." So, for example, like there's um, I'll go into this in a little bit, but there are four different javelin classes. Um, if you chose a heavy machine gun or a mini gun for a which is meant for a tank or a colossus class. Uh-huh. If you choose that for a different class, you might find that your stamina drains quicker because the suit isn't made to carry a heavy gun. Right, okay. It doesn't stop you from doing it, though. <laughs> That's good. It doesn't say, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. It just lets you figure that shit out yourself. I like a game that gives you um, a lot of freedom. Yeah, that's it. So, I'm not saying that's a crap um, loadout. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying is that some weapons do less damage for classes some weapons don't go well with other weapons some weapons downright hinder you um, so for example um, my brother had a sniper rifle which he was just like oh this is amazing it does crazy good damage not knowing it literally only holds two ammo <laughs> <laughs> he has two shots in this but saying that it does invi- or it does area damage so if you shoot it at the floor it just it, it it can just blow up and just send like forty minions flying. <laughs> so he says there's pros and cons. Um but it kinda I, I I like the fact there's a bit of exploration in the loadout. Um saying that, when it comes to the unlockables, I found the combat a lot more fun once I was able to unlock a different javelin. So you start the demo in uh, moving on to the javelins. You start the demo uh, with the ranger class, which is like the bog standard all rounder. Okay. Okay. He looks like Iron Man with chicken legs. <laughs> um, you know, he's got those bent legs at the back. It looks like a chicken. Um, but yeah, so he's got good. So this class has got good stamina. He's got a semi-powerful melee attack. Um, He's got decent um, 
you know, strength capabilities, decent shield, decent health. So it means that you can use assault rifles, shotguns, rocket launchers. You can pretty much use every gun with this class without much hindrance. Okay. But it also means that he's just a soldier, pretty much. You know, he's he's there as the bog standard. Um, once you get to, say, level 13, I think I said, you get a chance to unlock a different javelin. Now, you've got a choice between the Colossus, which is the tank. It's a lot slower, more health, bigger shield is used to protect the other javelins, really. So you've got, like, a shield, which in the Colossus, it kind of extends a lot like the Halo bubble shield. Okay. But it extends on, like, a wider basis. Now, the other javelins do also have this shield, but it only is, like, a one-person bubble. With the Colossus, it's, like, a three-person bubble. So, you know, it's more like a tank class. He can hold bigger guns, like a minigun. He can hold the large rocket launchers. He can, like, you know take the most damage and deal out the most damage um you've then got the storm um javelin which i see as more of a support class um its perk as it were controls the elements so it has the ability to control like fire thunder as like attacking abilities and I think it says that you unlock more abilities as as you improve that um, Colossus, or if uh, sorry, as you improve that Javelin class, you unlock more abilities. But um, the Storm class has more ability; it has got more boost. It's got more of a hover function, which means that you can spend more time in the air, raining down Hellfire to support the rest of the Javelins, um, which um, which is actually quite cool. Hellfire sounds useful. Yeah, so it's literally like um, its um, its special attack is like meteor strikes. So you just literally send send down Hellfire, and it just like shoots down massive meteors of like fire and ice, and just blitzes people. So that's really cool. Um, the class that I chose is the Interceptor class, which is a melee class. So it's got increased speed. Uh, it has a melee combo of up to five attacks. And then it means that you can boost it and it's got higher boost capacity. So the whole class is, is there designed because it's got lower health and lower shield capacity. It's there to like have the small machine guns, the handheld SMGs, the shotguns and like the swords. So you run in there, deal out a hell of a lot of damage really quickly, and then you just get the hell out of there. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed using this class immensely. Um, when you are in a squad that has an even distribution of different classes, it feels like each person is playing a part, which just adds more to that combat. So with my friend being a tank, and then we had two support classes being the Storms just floating around, I was the Interceptor that used to just run around, destroy all the minions, and then deal like a hefty melee attack to the boss, and then just get the hell out of there, because I was able to like get into the, get into like the underbelly uh, whilst it was being distracted by the tank. So it felt like you had more tactics involved. Um... And also, it does like these. The interceptor does really cool like flips and stuff. So you don't just get out of danger just by running. No, you can like triple jump, and he does like four bat flips. You feel like the ninja from Bleeding um, Metal Gear Solid, just running around the place like slashing everyone up, and then just getting the fuck out of there, being like, "All right, see ya, bye." But yeah, um, the thing that impressed me the most is that, despite the fact that each class 
um, you know, there's enough variety with each class that makes it feel different, and it makes me want to explore each one. So I think the game works by if you you get a chance to unlock a different javelin class, all the way up to say level 25. Like I can't remember what they said was the interim periods, but it gives you a chance to say unlock that one, get quite good at it, and it goes, "Oh, do you want to unlock another one?" And you're like, "Yeah, okay then." So you unlock another one, and then you get good at that. So um, yeah, I felt like there was enough variety to you know want to explore to find your favourite one. Um, saying that with the, a lot like, I only got to experience the interceptor. Uh, but like I said, the combat was instantly more enjoyable. Um, it felt amazingly different compared to the um, the Ranger class that you start off with. So, and everyone else was saying the same: is that they feel so different, which is a credit actually, because um, they could have quite easily just changed the way they looked without actually paying too much attention about how they actually play. Mm-hmm. So, really good that they do that. Another thing which uh, kudos to the team is that all the javelins are customizable as you would expect in like the destiny format. So the arms, the legs, the bodies, the head, the colors can all be changed. Um, but they go into so much more detail. Uh, first of all, you don't have to pay <laughs> to oh get all God. this armor. You can pay, but it is purely cosmetic. They don't give you extra armor. They don't give you any boosts. It's not like by getting this ultra rare armor that you suddenly get a bigger benefit from it. I think when it comes to the rare and the ultra rare parts, they have like passive abilities, like um, your shield recharges five percent faster. Okay. But nothing drastically game breaking, as as it stands. In the early nothing, stages. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. As it stands, there's nothing drastically game breaking about the armor. Um. There's also the customization comes from the colors as well. So you can have like there's 15 different styles that you can wear the colors. So it's like pearlescent, metallic, um, bronzed, brassed. There's so many, but each one like has a different visual style to it. And you can customize the visual style for each section of the javelin. So say, for example, my helmet was metallic, but I can have matte paint on my body and I can have a brass look, which is like slightly shiny, but hardened metallic on my arms and things like that. So you can just fully customize it. Like they give you preset colors as well, but then they say, oh, here's the color wheel. Just make your own. So you can keep mixing and matching different colours to find like your perfect one. I spent so much of the demo because due to the loading times that everyone was struggling with, I spent so much of the demo just customising my javelin, and it was not boring. Yeah, okay? I I tend to get wrapped up in stuff like that in games as well. Yeah. But adding on to that, you can then age your armour in seven different ways. So once you've got all the customization done, it then just goes, how do you want your armor to look? Do you want it to look new, brand new, aged, dirty, broken? And so you can then customize it even further. So despite the fact that we started for, I think, I'd say about the first two missions in the demo, having the same javelin class, we were all rangers. Each one of us in the squad looked completely different. Cool. Like absolutely unique. 
And I was like, that's really cool. Because in, again, going to keep comparing it, but in Destiny, despite the fact that, um, you know, you might have had a really cool look and I'll be like, oh, where'd you get that? Oh, I was lucky and I found a shader that looked this cool. Right. Oh, can I get that? No, you can't get that shader because the chances of you getting it is like one in 10 million. Mm-hmm. And he said, let's go, well, that's just shit. But then it also meant that people looked different due to a gamble rather than looking different due to creativity. Right. I so I think that's the difference is that they allow you to be creative with your javelin. They allow you to customize it however you want. And I've seen people on like videos, people who got like, um, like, promoter releases they were able to like get capes they were able to like unlock um different customizations on the legs so someone had like cowboy boots on so it seems like they've gone like all out with the customization and i guess like when it is cosmetic people don't mind spending a bit of cash to say oh i'd love a cowboy hat on my helmet yeah so you just you just buy a fucking cowboy hat (laughs) okay so i'm looking forward to that uh, but like I said, really impressed with the javelins. Really impressed with the combat. The missions had a good variety to it. Uh, the scenery was really good. Uh, the music, I can briefly talk about it, but for me, the game bugged out on the music. Oh, no. So the soundtrack didn't load in half the time. The music was... Um, like The combat music was a bit pants so i'd only like say half load in the environmental sounds so for example my weapons would shoot and make noise i'd hear grunts from the enemies but i wouldn't hear their footsteps or their gunfire and things like that so it was a bit buggy but when it for the one mission they all gelled together it was fantastic (laughs) but again i'm gonna put that down to the demo just being quite buggy um, so again, can't really combat, uh, comment on the soundtrack. Can't really comment on the game noise. Um, it was great for that one boss battle where it actually all gelled together for me, but um, I'll wait for the full release. Um, the story as it stands, um, if I'm honest, no one really paid attention to it. Okay. <laughs> it feels pretty generic. Um you know, you you start halfway through a tree, so we've found an alien after artifact which shifts reality. Um, people are, you know, theorizing to say that this artifact was the reason why these alien creatures, these hybrid creatures that we're fighting, exist, and we're trying to kind of identify what this hybrid artifact is, uh, how it can be used why these people are mining it feels very like generic uh but like i said didn't really pay much attention to it uh the cutscenes are seamless which i enjoyed so you go in the fort all of it is like the same graphics now that has been happening in cutscenes for ages but it still amazes me Mm-hmm. When you suddenly just walk into a room and then suddenly someone starts talking to you and then you're in a cutscene, you're no longer controlling your character. And you're like, oh shit, that was seamless. That was amazing. I love it. Um, saying that, um, the, there was a mission in the fort, which is just like a collect and delivery mission and you were just finding someone, but it forced you to do it. And it just made everything feel just 
time wasting boot missions where you're just like could you find this cd form i think it's in the head office and then you've got to walk there it's similar to that they're like oh go and walk to this person talk to this guy um everyone feels a bit typecast uh they really oversell their character in the fort so like i said before is that um you've got a mechanic a um barman and a trader the mechanic literally only talks about mechs the barman literally only talks about alcohol uh you know the trader literally only talks about the new things that he's got in stock they seem almost unrealistically passionate about their 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 life choices (laughs) um but yeah, like because I was annoyed with the fort mission and the fact that I was moving so slowly just to talk to these pointless people and they weren't interesting, I felt like I was nitpicking a bit. But <laughs> I hope that the fort missions, if they are in the game, like I said before, I want them to be good because it's not like Bioware that hasn't created amazing side characters before with amazing dialogue trees. So you sit there and go, just bring that back. I don't want this guy literally talking about all the quote-unquote hot chicks that he's been talking to in his bar recently. That's not entertaining. That's just irritating. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that kind of put me off at the start of the game, which uh, made me, like, screw. I started ranting, I'm not going to lie. Uh, because they had a library tab in the menu. And this is quite literally where all the lore lives. Like all the backstory lives here in this library tab and it streams and streams and streams of pages of text and I was like for fuck's sake this is the grimoire all over again (laughs) all of the story is just going to be in this fucking library I'm going to have to read it to understand what the fuck people are talking about Um, but then having played the game it seems like a majority of the story is given to you through cutscenes. They're quite engaging, the cutscenes. They want you, you know, it gives you enough backstory. Despite the fact, like I said, we weren't really paying much attention because we were halfway through the story, so it didn't yeah. really make much sense to us. Um, it seems like they're going the way that Destiny didn't go, and they're trying to explain the majority of the story through the cutscenes. And if you want to know more, there's a library function. Right. So now you can go and, you know, he's going to talk about things that exist in this world as if you know about them. If you're interested in it, go and read about it, okay? If not, it's fine. The story as a whole will still make sense. I hope that that's the direction it's going. I'm going to be optimistic. I do worry about the story because yeah. the, um, yeah. I think it was Trailer of the Pop at E3 was very much like mumbo-jumbo, oh, the we have to do something about the anthem. Oh, it's this crazy blah, 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 blah that does blah, blah, blah. and blah. I just yeah. want it to be a bit more grounded so yeah, I can give a shit about it. Yeah, this is it. It's very Destiny-based. It's all oh, the anthem. is this power source, which we haven't figured out yet. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard this before. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't see that just like this a bit. Uh, I hope this isn't really boring. Uh, but like I said, I think the story... It should uh, complement the gameplay. Mm-hmm. I hope it does. Um, but yeah, as far as it's like the demo, it served a purpose. I was happy with it in the story-wise. Um, small niggling issues that I had is that, like I said before, in the fort, your character feels like he's moving through a swamp. Right. <laughs> 
Um, he's very slow. He's, his movements feel really forced. It's a false first-person view as well. So you've got like this really quite narrow perspective of the world. Um, I know that they're going for this realistic movement, but for some reason it feels far too slow compared to when you're in the suit. Um, it feels like you should be moving a lot quicker. There's no sprint function. It feels like, you know, it's a forced, slow, location-based movement situation where it forces you to pay attention to how great everything looks. But you just go, this is just prolonging game time. It's not really... And it's just irritating me. Like, allow me to move a little bit quicker, please. Um, Like I said before, the AI can be a bit stupid, but again... Um, I think that's just a bug in the demo. Um, I found a few areas where I could get stuck easily, especially in fighting. So I phased through a few rocks. I became part of the scenery um, <laughs> a few times, which meant I had to quit and rejoin. Again, I think that's a bug in the demo. Hopefully it doesn't transfer over to the, old, the new game. A couple of people in my group said that they'd, they'd appreciate the cover system, especially for like the Ranger class, which doesn't, which is like an in-betweeny sort of does everything um, sort of class. It would benefit from having a cover function so that he can get behind rocks and then add a bit more tactical advantage to the style. I personally don't think it's missing, but some people said that they would really enjoy it, so it's worth mentioning. Okay. Uh, I felt like there was enough variety in the combat, especially when the more of the javelins were introduced. Um, that meant that you had more of a choice. So if you weren't getting on with a ranger, just choose a different class. Um, like I said, again, I expect more from the fort. I think that it needs to be a bit more fleshed out. Um, it feels like you're wasting a lot of your time and I kind of want Bioware to sprinkle their magic over it so that I'm really interested in these side characters that give me side stories to like explore a bit of the world that I didn't think that I was going to explore. So that's what I'm hoping. But again, looking at how it is, looking at how Destiny got away with quite an empty hub, I don't think they're going to do much with it. Um, fucking hell, there were so many loading screens so many fucking loading screens it was unreal so even when you got into the game it really broke up your flow so you're like you're flying through a mission you're like yeah this is amazing you fly straight into a cave and then immediately loading screen right granted the loading screen wasn't there for long it was like 10 seconds maximum but it just broke it it just broke all your you know cynicism with the game (laughs) you were like oh this is amazing that cave looks great you get in there you land sorry loading screen and you're like oh for fuck's sake and it just took you out of it um and I said it just affected everyone in the party yeah. everyone was like yeah this is great you fly through a waterfall loading screen oh for <laughs> fuck's sake and you're just like I hope that uh, there's there's either less time or they can like patch it out uh, because I know that there's a lot of detail in the game. I know that the game's massive. I know that loading screens are a necessity so that because you've, it seems like recently you've got no choice. It's either loading screen or you've got lag when, you know, everything else loads. So if I had to choose, I'd rather have the loading screen, you know? I'd rather have a loading screen than to land in a cave which hasn't rendered yet. Yeah. You know? Uh, what do you think? Would you choose? Um, I mean, Ideally, it would already be there when I got there. 
Yeah, same. <laughs> I think I'm giving too many leniencies. I would say get the fuck loading screens, get rid of them. Um, if they have to be there, then I reckon I can get rid of it. I can get used to it. It doesn't break the game, but it does kind of, like I said, it breaks the flow of the mission. Yeah. Um, it's quite significantly. It could actually. be that when the game comes out, those won't be there, which is the hope. This is it. Yeah, that's the hope. Um, and then, like I said, like game, game killing bugs, loading screen bug. Um, and then, obviously, because it's EA... I'm always scared of microtransactions. Yeah. I'm 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 terrified that EA after two months of it being a good game, they'll be like, Oh, I'm just gonna two two months of doing really good because they've learnt from um, you know, Star Wars Battlefront. They're like, No, no, we're not gonna throw these game breaking mechanics into the game <laughs> at release. You know, two months of doing nice microtransactions that are only cosmetics, and then boom, they're going to release a helmet that gives you 2,000% health. <laughs> <laughs> and it only costs 10 quid. But this week it's on sale. It only costs this you week 750 is, Exactly, it only gives you 750 Oh, did we mention that? It'll give you an unfair, uh, what's the name, advantage in the PvP mode. Because I heard rumours that the PvP mode is going to be the exact same as, say, the Destiny PvP mode. So whatever loadout you have on your javelin is going to be the javelin that you have in PvP. So here's a railgun that does 90,000 damage yeah. and can shoot through walls. And if you buy the helmet and the rail gun, it usually costs you £30, but for this month, it will only cost you £15. <laughs> and I can just predict that this is going to happen and completely fuck up the game. Let's hope not. I, yeah. I want to be optimistic. I want to be optimistic. I yeah, have this no reason must... to be, but... yeah. This is it. Playing the game, I went into it, first of all, so my final verdict being that I went into this demo wanting to shoot it to shit. Yeah. I want it to be a Destiny Division clone. I want it to have those... Um, what's the name those? Even the numbers, the damage counters, didn't look out of place. Yeah. I thought that it was going to look massively out of place, but because you're in a mech, because it, it feels like it should exist, it feels like all the other um, you know HUD around you, it feels like the helmet is on your head. That's what they're going for. So it would make sense that a damage counter would come up. I don't know why, it just does. Yeah. So it doesn't break realism for me. And I honestly thought it would. I'm optimistic about this game. I really enjoyed the demo. All of the, the missions had a point. All of the missions felt like they were seamless. They were enjoyable with friends. Um, you know, the combat was... They had more variety than I was expecting. More customization than I was expecting. I didn't even expect the javelins to feel different, let alone look completely different. Yeah. But I got both. So you sit there and go, I'm optimistic it's earned my trust in a way and i think it's a really ballsy thing to put out a demo in this day and age uh but they did um like i said again it's still early days i hope that they can fix the bugs i hope that ea don't be dicks um the only downside that i can think about is that i'm not sure how much fun it would be single player yeah but then on the counter side i'm not sure how much of the game i would play single player <laughs> well you know it sounds like that there's a lot of potential in mm. anthem I think that's the word I'd like to, to stick with me when I think about Anthem. Is lots of potential. It comes out in like can... less than a month as well, right? It does. Okay. Um, and I went in here thinking it's just going to be just like Destiny. And everyone was saying it's just going to be like Destiny. And they've done a massive job to prove that it's not Destiny. 
Yeah. If anything, it's proved a massive job to say to Bungie, this is what Destiny could have been. Dickheads. <laughs> and they were just like, good, I'm glad. For once, I'm actually a bit optimistic about a new game coming out. Yeah, it sounds like so, one of those games where the day one patch will be like 13 gigs. Yeah, but it'll not, be all the shit that they're fixing from this demo, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that, yeah that's it. The, yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Uh, there's a rumour as well coming out to say that there's going to be another demo released before the game release. Okay. So someone was saying to me, like, the VIP access demo was meant to be this one, but then they released it to everyone. Right. So I think there's going to be another one, another weekend, probably in a couple of weeks' time, to say, we've given you a bit more now. Uh, so the demo that I've downloaded onto my Xbox, that will just get updated, and then you can play it again. Um, so hopefully, by the second demo, they've fixed a lot of the patch, you know, patched a lot of the loading bugs, etc., and I get a, a couple more missions to practice on. Cool. So fingers crossed. I'll keep you updated. I'll see what comes up. But yeah, I, like I, I said, might even give it a go. Surprisingly optimistic. And if the demo does release again, I would hundred percent push everyone to give it a go. Because if anything, if this is a good game, then we should be supporting it to say this is the shit we want. We don't want, you know, we don't want the story behind a paywall like yeah. Destiny's doing. You know, that's bollocks. We don't want progression behind a paywall. That's bollocks. We don't want loot boxes. That's bollocks. We want this. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. you know, no one's a, a big fan of EA, but I am a big fan of Bioware. I want to support this is them. It. So. Yeah. I'm a massive fan of Bioware. Um, so they deserve my trust. EA, they don't deserve my trust. So I just hope that Bioware, I think, I'm, I'm hopeful that Bioware's got enough clout to kind of backhand any microtransaction decisions which yeah. EA might throw at them but you know that's my that's my verdict anyway yeah it, it kind of reminds me of um, you know FIFA's like the most popular game in the world and that's yeah. made by EA it's like yeah EA are a shit company but the people who make FIFA are just people who are really passionate about football and want to make a really good football game don't punish them because of EA you know what I mean no that's it yeah, yeah. Punish, yeah, punish the decisions that the publisher is making to force microtransactions into the game. Yeah, it doesn't mean the people making it wanted those microtransactions. I'll probably say for a fact that the people just wanted the card, the ultimate team, to be a collector's game. Yeah. Because in its in its earlier renditions, that's what it was. Before microtransactions even existed, you didn't buy packs; you earned packs. Mm-hmm. And people forget that that used to happen. You used to win tournaments for packs. That's why tournaments existed. To better your squad. You know? But now people just spend, on day one, they just spend countless money, a countless amount of money on just improving their packs or improving their squad before they've even played the game. So they've just killed it. But anyway, we digress. We do indeed. Alright, I think that's going to do it for this episode then, Dave. That's about the same. Um... That is what I've been playing as well. Have you been playing anything that you want to talk about before we go? Nah, nothing that uh, bears really mentioning. Just the usual bullshit. Mm. I've still got my uh, PS4 games that I want to get into, but I know they're, they're a time commitment. I want to I want to dedicate myself to, and it's like yeah. I could start playing like um, Detroit Become Human, but that's like going to take me a few nights. 
where I'm yeah. concentrating and paying attention. And right now, I just want to get home and just play some bullshit that I have to think about and then go. Yeah, see. I'm with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> on the plus side, I've completely read Dead Redemption too. So I don't have to talk about that anymore. Uh, it does mean that I'm moving on to PlayStation games. So my next one is The Last of Us Remastered. I'm actually gonna I'm on mission three, so I'm gonna be cracking through that. Uh, and then after that, I think I'm gonna go God of War. Uh, I might I might play The Last of Us just so me and you have both played it really recently and talk about it. Yeah, well, yeah, let's do that. Right. Well, I'm looking we'll, forward to that. We'll see. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing that. Always. But yeah, until next time, Gary. Thank Thanks. you very much. You are welcome, Dave. Thank you very much uh, for your time this evening. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. We know we have listeners now. Exactly. Well, we know we've got one. Yep. That's all we need. That's Keep confirmed. doing this forever. <laughs> exactly. That's confirmed. Hi, Dave. Until yeah, we meet again. Until we meet again. Until next time. I'll see you. I'll bid you farewell. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Ooh.